You know that song talking about when Jesus comes again and calls our name that we'll rise. I want to tell you something. Do you realize that every one of the disciples, Peter, James, John, every one of them died a martyr's death. None of them died of natural causes. They were all killed because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In 70 AD, the persecution under Nero, hundreds of thousands of followers of the way Jesus were martyred. Even today across the world, there will be hundreds of thousands this year who will be put to death. I know that's hard for you to believe because of their faith. What is it that sustains a person in light of that kind of persecution? They know, hallelujah, that they're going to rise, amen? That to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Polycarp, that great early Christian, when they were burning him at the stake, said to him, Polycarp, deny, deny that Jesus is Lord. And Polycarp, as the flames went up around his body, said, I regret that I have only one life that I can give for my Savior. Oh, that I could die twice as a follower of Jesus. You know, it is the resurrection of Christ, the fact that we will live forever in the presence of God that enables us to go through storms and trials, whatever we might face, because Jesus is alive. Praise God, we've got hope. Amen? You know, I want to speak to you about hope. Past, present, and future. It was Tuesday that I was went to the... The Walmart grocery store, not that, not the big Walmart where they got everything, but this, this sells groceries. And uh, I came to the checkout counter, and um, I noticed this young man. He seemed to be real young, and I thought maybe he was going to be bagging the groceries. But then I realized, no, that he was going to check me out. No, no, he was going to check the groceries out. I hope he wasn't going to check me out. And I was kind of surprised because he's so young looking. But I got there and he was checking out. I didn't have very many groceries. But I'm telling you, he he was real young. But he had on this massive gold chain. It was big. I mean, it's the biggest chain I believe I've seen on anybody in a long time. And at the bottom of it, he had a huge crucifix. And I mean, this was just, hey, I mean, it was just glaring. I said, uh, man. I, that's, that, 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 that's quite a chain. And the, where'd you get that? He said, got it at the mall. I said, now, I put my finger down. The crucifix was all the way down, way down here. I put, I said, now, you know, he's not on the cross anymore. He said, oh, I know that. I said, he's not on the cross. I said, you know what we're going to do Sunday? He's, I said, we're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive. He said, oh, I, I know that. I know that. He said, and by the way, they tell me he's coming back. 
That knocked me on my feet. I said, they tell you he's coming back. You know he is. And he's going to take us out of this chaos and this mess we're in. And he said, you know, it sure is a mess, isn't it? I said, it is. By the way, they tell me he's coming back. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, I was walking to my car. And, you know, the Spirit of God just said, how do you spell a Resurrection Sunday? And I, I use this. How do you spell Easter? And you know how he told me to spell it? He said, you spell it H-O-P-E. Hope. That, that's, that's the way you spell Resurrection Sunday. That's the way you spell Easter. Because if there's one message that comes from that empty tomb, it is the message of hope. You know, it, it has been said, and I've said it to you many times, you can live 40 days without food, five days without water, five minutes without air. You can't live one second when you lose hope. Hopelessness. Oh, despair. A person is in serious trouble when they don't have any hope. But you know, the Bible speaks so clearly. It just speaks and uses the word hope. And there are two great verses I want to show you. If you want to turn in your Bible, the first one is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It's the hope that we have because Jesus is alive. And I want you to listen. He calls it a living hope. That's exactly what he says. Peter was writing to the Christians that were dispersed, and they were going through trials. But he said, I'm going to tell you something. You're going through a trial for a while, but you've got a living hope. I'm beginning in verse 3, 1 Peter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy, His abundant mercy, has begotten us, has given us a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Boy, it couldn't be any plainer than that. He said, God in His mercy has given us a living hope because Jesus is alive. And then he went on and said in the next verse, man, we've got an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled. It does not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. He said, you've got a living hope because Jesus is alive. But then there's another one. And it's called the blessed hope. And it's found in the book of Titus. And it's just an absolutely awesome, awesome word. And in the book of Titus, he says these words. He says, Titus 2.11. Now listen to it. The grace of God. That's God's unmerited favor. That's God doing for you what you don't deserve and can't do for yourself. Let me just say that again. Grace. G-R-A-C-E. 
God doing for us in Christ what we don't deserve and could never do for ourselves. It's not deserved. It's not merited. It's not earned. It's grace. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. What does the grace of God teach us? That denying ungodly and worldly lust, we are to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age. Then he says it, looking for that blessed hope. Now, what is he talking about? Looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, man, God's grace has enabled us to live a godly life. But I'm going to tell you what we're looking for. We're looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing, the glorious appearing, the coming of Jesus, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, and purify for himself his own special people. Listen, there's a resurrection of hope, but then there's the hope of the coming of Jesus. Like, 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 like the guy said, they tell me <laughs> he's coming again. And by the way, he is. And so I want to talk to you about those two hopes. I want to talk to you about resurrection hope. What it means to you and me today that Jesus is alive. And then just briefly in the end, I want to talk to you about the hope that we have because one day he's coming back. And it's sooner than you think. It's sooner than you think. World events, this conflict between Israel and Iran and Israel's bumming of Iran's nuclear facilities and all that stuff. The, the, the revolution in Libya and revolution in Egypt and all those things that are taken on the Middle East where all world events are shaping up. I'm going to tell you one thing. That blessed hope, that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, is a whole lot closer than we realize. But let's talk about the resurrection hope. He's given us a living hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There are four things I want to tell you about our resurrection hope. Number one, Bible plainly makes it clear that the resurrection of Jesus from the, from the dead declared him to be God's son with power by his resurrection from the dead. I just quoted Romans chapter 1 verse 3. It says, for you know Jesus born of the seed of David, and so forth. And, and this is what it says. And declared to be the Son of God with power by his resurrection from the dead. I, I'll say this. If Jesus was in the tomb right now, if the tomb was not empty, if there was a marker that said Jesus of Nazareth and there was his body, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't say, oh, there he is with all of his power. There he is with all of his power. He'd be dead, lifeless. But Paul said, oh, but he's declared to be the son of God with power when God raised him from the dead. Of all the major, and I use this term just for explanation, religious leaders, 
By the way, Jesus Christ is not a religious leader. He's God manifest in the flesh who came to this earth. That's who he is. But we'll take Buddha and Mohammed and on and on, Confucius and on and on I could go. All Mahatma Gandhi and all the religious leaders down through the ages. All I've got to say to you, they died and they are buried and you can go visit their grave. And they don't have any power in the grave. But glory to God. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and he is alive. And you know what he said right before he left? He said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth, and I will be with you. And the early church said, this Jesus that you crucified, he is Lord and Christ. He, they said, God raised him up. And the early church told those people, listen, he's not dead. He is alive. And listen, understand this. A dead Christ would have no power. But a living Christ has all power in heaven and on earth. I mean, the Bible says, that's where I go. That's my authority. Declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Power in your life. Power in my life. Power in this world. But you know, the second thing that is really significant and to me, it's, it's so important that you understand. And that is this. That when God raised, when the Father raised His Son, Jesus, from the dead, He was saying to every one of us, that sacrifice where Jesus went to the cross, the spotless Lamb of God, sinless, when the sinless Son of David, Jesus, the sinless Son of God, went to the cross, took every one of your sins in his body on that tree, was wounded for your transgressions, was bruised for your iniquities, your, the chastisement of his peace was upon you, by his stripes you're healed. When Jesus died for you, when Jesus took you to the cross with him, and died for your sins, and put to death your sin nature. He said, that sacrifice that Jesus Christ, my sinless son, offered on the cross, I'm going to show you that I accept it. it I accept it. It was sufficient. It was enough. And the way I'm going to show you that I accepted his sacrifice is I'm going to raise him from the dead. And man, when Jesus came out of that grave, the Father was saying, I accepted his sacrifice. Death had no claim on him. The grave could not hold him. He was without sin. And I'm telling you today, because Jesus was a sinless son of God who took our sins on the cross, then God accepted that sacrifice and he raised him from the dead. And I want you to know today that Jesus Christ not only can forgive your sins, but he can set you free from your sinful nature that has had you bound in your life. You know why I've got hope? Because the resurrection says he's the son of God with power. But oh, more than that, I've got hope because God said, I accepted his sacrifice. Your sins have been paid for. The penalty of your sins was paid for. The power of sin over you has been broken. And one day, because I accepted his sacrifice, you'll be saved from the presence of sin. 
and you'll go to be with me forever. But if he was in the grave, you know what the Bible says? Let me read you a couple of verses that'll really shake you up. That some people say, well, you know, the resurrection's no big deal. Oh, you don't know what God said about it. In fact, let me tell you what he said about how important the resurrection is. Now, you need to hear this. In the 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, I want you to listen to what he said in verse 14. Stay with me. And if Christ is not risen, then your preaching is empty and your faith is empty. He said, let me tell you, if he's still in the grave, your preaching is empty and your faith is empty. I'm reading the Word of God. Then I go down to 1 Corinthians 15, 17. Now get this. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. I got that, Lord. You're telling me if he was still in the grave, my faith would just be empty and I'd still be in my sin. That is exactly what the Bible teaches. But oh, when he came out of that tomb, the Father said, I have accepted his sacrifice for sin. There'll be no more goats and calves. There'll be no more sacrifices. Now the ultimate sacrifice has been made, and all sin, past, present, and future, is paid in full. Now, for you, get to, for you to get the blessing of that sacrifice, for you to get the blessing of that forgiveness, for you to get the blessing of knowing that the power of sin is broken in your life, hey, the Bible says you've got to repent. God I confess to you that I'm a sinner by nature, and I'm a sinner by choice, and that my sin separated from you, and that if I die in my sins, I'll be forever separated from you in a place called hell. But I just want to thank you, Lord, that Jesus loved me so much that he went to the cross took my sins in his body on the tree and died for me, and now recognizing that I'm a sinner if I'll repent of my sins and be willing to turn from my sins and turn my life over to you and receive you as my Lord and Savior that I can be forgiven and my sins can be gone and the power of sin in my life can be broken and I can be a child of God. I want to tell you something, friend. The fact, and I'm not being ugly and I'm not being critical, but, but a dead religious leader can't forgive anybody for anything. But a merciful and loving God who offered his son as a sacrifice and then raised him from the dead, I want to tell you, because Jesus lives, we can be forgiven. And that's the bottom line. Because you know why Jesus came? Oh, he, said, he came, Brother Fred, to make me happy. Oh, no, he didn't. He came to make you holy. He came to take care of all my cares and worries. Oh, by the way, God wants you to be happy. He doesn't want you to be unhappy. He said, well, he came not only to make me happy, but he came to take care of all my cares and worries and fears. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, God really cares about your cares and worries and your fears. Oh, don't, don't, don't understand. Under, but you know why I came? I'll tell you why I came. He told us. He said in Matthew 8, 18, 11, I came to seek and to save those that were lost. Woo. I came to seek and to save those who were lost, lost to God. You know what he said in Matthew chapter, it was chapter, um, I think it was chapter 15, verse 9 or something like that. Chapter 9, verse 13. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous, 
I came to call sinners to repentance. He came to die so that we could live. He came to take our sin so we could be forgiven. So why do we have hope? The resurrection declared him to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Why do we have hope? Because God accepted the sacrifice of his Son. And through Jesus' perfect sacrifice, when we repent of our sins and turn our lives over to him, we can be forgiven. And God forgives our sin and forgets about them. And we don't have to live in guilt. And we don't have to live in shame. Here's the third thing. This is why I've got hope. Resurrection hope. One, he's the son of God with power. Number two, God accepted his sacrifice for sin, and we can be forgiven. We really can. We can be free. But the third thing is this. You know what 1 Corinthians tells us? That because God raised him from the dead, those of us who are in Christ and Christ is in us, Christ comes to live in us, forgive our sin, we're Christians. We've repented of our sins, we've given our life to Jesus Christ, and we're following him by the grace of God. Do you know what it says? That because he's alive, one day we're going to get a new, immortal, incorruptible body. Now when Adam was created, did you know he had a perfect body? He had a perfect body. His hair was perfect. His eyes were perfect. All the parts of his body were perfect. Everything was functioning. And you know, it never had to, you know, it was just, it could have been that way the rest of the time. And Adam and Eve made the choice to rebel against God and to sin. And when they sinned, sin not only affected their spirit when God left, sin affected their body. And the moment they sinned, they got a mortal body subject to disease and death. They got a corruptible body, subject to disease and death. But in Christ, the day is coming when we are going to receive an immortal body and an incorruptible body. And I tell you what, I'm kind of looking forward to that, I'm telling you. How many of you are looking forward to your new body? Glory to God. You know, we almost can get one before we get to heaven. You know, we're getting all kind of transplants, knee transplants, elbow transplants, hip transplants. You know, you, know, you can pretty much be a bionic man or woman. You know, you know what I'm saying. But it ain't going to be nothing like that new body when you get to heaven. Hallelujah. Thank God for the progress of medical science. But, you know, let me read to you what, what about the body we're going to get. It's going to happen at the resurrection. It says in verse 42 of 1 Corinthians 15, so also is the resurrection of the, of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. We die and our body is sown in the grave as a corruptible body. So is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, but it's going to be raised in incorruption. New, glorified body. Raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor. This body got sick and it died and it's sown in dishonor. And, and it's, uh, it's sown in dishonor. It'll be raised, hallelujah, in glory. It is sown in weakness. We die, but it'll be raised in power. What a picture of the new, new body. It'll be sown, it'll be raised in glory. It'll be raised in honor, and it'll be raised in power. It was sown a natural body, just a mortal body. It will be raised, 
it was sown a natural body, it'll be raised a spiritual body. Man, you talk about hope. Because unless Jesus comes back, we all going to die. Is that a shock? You think everybody's going to die but you. <laughs> no. Because you've got a mortal body. But if you're a child of God, all they'll do, the moment your, your heart stops beating, and the moment there's a flat line, your spirit goes immediately. You're a child of God. Your spirit goes to be with Jesus and now you're with him, and you're just waiting. And they take that body that's sown in dishonor and corruption and mortal, and they just put it in the, in the grave, waiting today when that glorious Jesus comes back and your body will come out of the grave. Hallelujah. A new and glorified body, just like the one Jesus had when he was raised from the dead. Now, if that gives me hope, i tell you that right now. Can I say something? You know, death is not the end. Did you know that? The grave is not the end. It's an open door to a glorious eternity in the presence of the living God. Oh, death, where is your sting? 1 Corinthians 15, 56. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But listen to this. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Brother Fred, you're kind of excited about your new body. After this heart surgery, I'm excited about any kind of body. <laughs> but there's a fourth thing. The resurrection hope because it declared him to be the Son of God with power. He's got power. He's alive. Hope because God said, I accepted his sacrifice for your sin. And you can be forgiven. It's up to you whether you're going to receive my sacrifice or not. And he said, I tell you, you got to, because one day I'm going to give you a new, immortal, glorified body that'll never know any sickness, sorrow, pain, or death. For the former things are passed away. But you know, th this is so important. You know why there's hope in the resurrection? It's because it means that Jesus is alive to live in us. He's alive to live inside of us. Now, he got ready to go away. He told the disciples. You know, he was fixed to go to the cross and die, be raised from the dead, and then ascend to his heavenly Father and be seated at the right hand where he is now. He said, now listen, I know it's to your advantage I go away. They said, it couldn't be, Lord. He said, now I'm not going to leave you as orphans. That's exact words in John 14. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. And, and he said, I'm going to come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. He said, I'm going to come and live in you. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to come. And at Pentecost, those tongues of fire, that fire is a picture of the presence of God and God's Spirit coming back to live in man. And see, the thing about it is, Jesus is alive. And he's alive to live in us, right inside of us. By the power of His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, Christ lives in me. 
Could it be any plainer than that? He said, I died with Christ, but I'm raised with him. And now I'm alive, but Christ lives in me. He lives in me. Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of God he restored in you is going to be the presence of Christ in you by the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 3.10, Paul said, I want to know Jesus, listen to this, and the power of his resurrection. I want to know the power of his resurrection in my life. And, for, and, and then Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. Let me tell you something. You've got to understand this. The reason it is so important to understand that Christ comes to live in us. He lives to live his life in us by his spirit. It's because of this. You, you can't live the Christian life. You can't do it. You can't do it. I, I mean, you can't live the Christian life in your power. You cannot. It's impossible. I learned a long time ago, you can struggle, you can strive, and you can try. But you cannot live the Christian life in your own power. It is Christ in you. You see, how, you, do you understand why you... Listen. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, love your enemies. Whew, I got trouble loving my neighbor, friend. I can't do that. The Bible says, if somebody asks you to go one mile, go two. Man, I don't want to go one. I don't want to go one. The Bible said, if they ask for your coat, give them your cloak also. Come on now. See, Jesus is saying things that was just impossible for those people who were listening to him. And then he said it. <clears throat> Peter said, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how many times shall I forgive him? Seven times? That's pretty good. That's once a day. <laughs> Seven days a week. No, Jesus said 70 times seven. Listen, this thing about forgiving people 70 times seven, I don't want to forgive them one time. Why am I telling you that? Because I can't live the Christian life. But when Jesus Christ comes to live in you, you become a new creation in Christ. And he gives you his nature. And the Christian life is not you loving your enemies. It's Jesus in you loving your enemies. The Christian life is not you forgiving people 70 times 7. It's Jesus Christ living in you forgiving people 70 times 7. The Christian life is Christ living his life through us. And it is his power that enables us to live the Christian life. Hallelujah for that. Because I can't. But praise God, he lives in me. And he can. Well, four reasons why the resurrection gives us hope. But I want to talk about the last one for about three or four minutes. I want to talk about the hope of the return of Christ. Declared to be the Son of God with power by the... First uh, uh, Peter 1, God has given us a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Now we're going to move from the resurrection to the return of Christ. Looking for, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The eastern sky will split wide open. And the Lord Jesus Christ will come in the clouds, visibly and bodily. How do I know that? In Acts 1.11, when Jesus ascended into heaven, the angel said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you looking, gazing into heaven? You know, this same Jesus is going to come back in the same manner 
as you saw him go. He went up on the clouds visibly and bodily. And one day this same Jesus is going to come back on the clouds visibly and bodily. And every eye shall see him. There are more verses in the New Testament on the return of Christ than on the first coming of Christ. And you know that boy at the checkout counter, I'm telling you, he was dead right. He said, yeah, I I know we're going to celebrate his resurrection Sunday, but they tell me that he's coming again. And I want to tell you, can I just tell you, he's coming again. Do you really believe that, Brother Fred? More than you'll ever know. I, I would love for him to come in my lifetime. Because let me tell you how he's going to come back. Can I just tell you? And we'll pray. Listen to this verse. It's in Thessalonians chapter 4. The Thessalonian Christians, their loved ones had died. Some of them had been martyred. And they did not understand about it, all about heaven. And this is what Paul said. Now let me tell you what's going to happen. First Thessalonians 4 says, Now the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Now, I want you to understand one thing. The Lord himself, say himself. It ain't going to be on video, folks. Well, it's going to be a video of Jesus coming. Uh-uh. Oh, no, 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 no. The Lord himself, visibly and bodily, shall descend from heaven with a shout. And with the voice of the archangel, And the trumpet of God. Man, I'm listening for the trumpet. Hallelujah. There was a friend of mine that was preaching on this. Talking about, and the trumpet shall sound. And he had somebody hid behind the stage and blew the trumpet. And half the congregation acted like they fainted. Well, a big sound of a trumpet. They said, Lord, have mercy. I said, that's that's too, too dramatic. Don't do that. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of a archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Now get this, the dead in Christ, their bodies. That, that body that was sown in dishonor, that's going to be raised in honor. It was sown corruptible, it's going to be raised incorruptible. And the dead in Christ, their body will, will be raised. The dead in Christ will rise first, be reunited with their spirit. And then it says, and then we who are alive and remain. Some of us are going to be alive when Jesus comes back. And then those of us who are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up. That's the word rapture. We're just going to be caught up with them. And we'll meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, you know why the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Well, they got six feet further to go. I mean, they're down. <laughs> now, if you're in one of those mausoleums, you ain't got to worry about it. You're already up. Let me tell you something. He came the first time they killed him. God raised him from the dead. He's alive with power. And one day, he who is seated at the right hand, the Father's going to say, it's time. And I am telling you, there's going to be the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And the eastern sky is going to split wide open. And here he comes, the mighty, everlasting, eternal Son of the living God. Woo! Somebody said, Brother Fred, tell me about your theology about the return of Christ. When he comes, I go. And if you're saved when he comes, glory to God, you go. You know, the world doesn't understand it. They say, you know, you bunch of pie in the sky. Y'all are just a bunch of people that's got a bunch of pie in the sky. They missed it. 
pie in the sky. Lord, have mercy. I got Jesus in all of heaven. That's a whole lot more than pie in the sky. I wish you understood. I don't want anybody to go to hell. Man, I want everybody to know Jesus, to be forgiven, to have the peace of God, and to be ready when the Lord comes. The Bible says, be ready for such an hour as you think not. The Son of God will come again. I'm so glad I went to the Walmart. I'm glad I went to that checkout counter. I just needed to be reminded, by the way, they tell me he's coming again. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate that.